1: Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.
2: You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to
1: ifhpodcastnetwork.com.
3: at that it works
2: yeah it works yeah welcome to afc coast to coast oh good well welcome everybody yeah i need to come up with one of those uh one of those cool do an edit like a bunch of crazy noises and coast to coast
3: yeah please please don't but yes i love that yeah i'm
2: gonna i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna do that (laughs) um we're coming off uh molly and i are coming off a, a great night out going to see pacifico so we wanted to. I, I, we could at least talk about that, Molly. What yeah. was your What was your thoughts on on the show as a whole?
0: Well, um, I got my money's worth out of it since you got my ticket.
2: <laughs> um, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, no, it was great. It was cool to be back at Smissel Bar because that is a um, a place that I have really good memories from. So going back to see a show there was really cool and. There was a lot of music. They started. They said that the show was going to start at 8. It started right at 8. I can't remember the last time that I've been to a show that wasn't a K-pop show that a show started at the time that it said it was going to. So that was cool. There were like five bands? One, two, three, four bands?
2: Four, four yeah.
0: Four bands. So it was a lot of music. Um, it was cool. Uh, they had one opener that I really, really, really like called Tiny Banshee who said that it was only their second show ever. Um, and then Pacifico played uh, some of their old stuff and stuff off of their new album. And it was really cool.
2: Yeah. Gave Hootie Who Productions a shout out, which is, they which, did. Which is cool. Um, I I did notice the only, the only band you stood up for was Tiny <laughs> Um You immediately got up uh, and started and started dancing along. um but no they were they did not seem like it was just their second show ever that was crazy no
0: i mean they you know they they were a band that hits all the sweet spots of the kind of show that would make me stand up
2: yeah 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 no they're really good um the band after them i thought i thought it was interesting it it was a different energy and it kind of felt like going into pacifico they should have swapped um mm-hmm. just because the the Perfect Animals, I think was the name of the band. Yeah. Um, they were just kinda much more mellow. Uh so I'd going into Pacifico, you think, well, you should have had the kind of more rocky, metalish, punkish band go right before Pacifico to like get everybody jazzed up, but that is not what they did. <laughs> no,
0: <what> if- <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> they choose who like the order that things go in by the number of people that you you as a band bring to the table, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. And I didn't notice it was a there was kind of an exodus unfortunately before Pacifica went on.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um that uh, I guess I'll, I guess that Perfect Animals band is pretty big here in town. Yeah, they
0: they definitely had their audience that were there for their songs for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh Dustin, it was too bad you couldn't have been there. We had a VIP table, so we felt very important. I felt very important. Um, well, as long as you feel important, that felt, Chuck, that's all that matters. Yeah, it is. It, I, you know, we were at a table. We were above everyone else, which is where I should be. <laughs> yeah, okay. um, so I that was the most important part of the night for me, yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm not going to lie.
0: That I'm, I'm never sad to have a chair to sit in and not have to just stand in my old <laughs> yeah. age. So that was cool.
2: Yeah, no, we're at the age where um, that's just important. <laughs> it's just having somewhere to sit down. Um, it's just nice. I mean, Maggie, you know, she she physically couldn't have stood up that whole time. That's primarily why I got the table. Um, but I'm not gonna lie, like me myself, I was like, oh, this is this is nice just to have a drink and not have someone elbow me and it goes flying in my face. That's pretty good. <laughs> Uh so yeah the I guess the the Pacifico era is done for now. Uh we might talk to might talk to that tiny band, Banshee band to make something for them. Uh, we're on the lookout for another video. Um, yeah. next next big project. Uh but but for now, um it was just a it was just a fun night out. So I, I was glad you could join us, Molly.
0: Oh well, thanks. Uh, and for those who uh don't know just because we just jumped right into it, Hootie Who Productions made two music videos for songs off of their new album and last night's show was the album release party for that album.
3: Thank you Molly, yes. that was great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh so so Dustin, uh I I see you've been um You've been going to Disneyland
3: oh, man. recently. So so much fun. Is so that why fun. you're sick? No, I got sick because I went to Universal Studios, which is a different place entirely. Um, but mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe I got a bit by a rat. I don't know. Um, yeah, I was at Universal the other day, and the wind was terrible. And uh, it was like a cutting wind, which I'm not used to here in L.A. Um, it's very... Uh, Basically, it chilled you to the bone, which is something I hadn't felt in a long time, and clearly that got to me. I don't know if you know this, uh, those listeners out there, but LA makes you a bitch. And what I mean by that is this. When you move <laughs> out here, your chemistry changes, and your blood level thins out, and you can no longer take...
0: And you immediately think that you're better than everyone else. Well,
3: no, I already knew that. That's why I moved to LA. You got to... See, first you got to have that, and then you move to LA. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, what are you doing? You're just coming out here to be homeless? Come on. Think about it. Um, but but ultimately, you know, your your chemistry changes, so you can't really handle the cold, and clearly my body can't handle it, and, you know, we finally got off the the mask mandates out here, um, so ultimately I have put myself in a position to get sick, and here I am with a nasty head cold. Thankfully, it's not uh, the bid, which is still very much a thing. Don't think that that's gone away. Um, mm mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what I've been dealing with recently, Chuck. Thanks for bringing it up.
2: Hey, you're welcome. Well, it's good to hear that the mask <laughs> mandates are gone and you finally have freedom again. That's good.
3: Well, <laughs> don't make me laugh until I start coughing. Um, well, I think it's we're definitely not Florida or Texas. That's all I'll say about that. And I'll leave that alone.
2: So, that's a I'm curious, what does that do for productions out there? Is it still What's what's it what's it look like, production wise?
3: Uh, Well, it's what I have seen on the lot. It seems like it's kind of gone back to the wild west mentality of anything goes for the most part. Um, There are certain sets that are still big on wearing masks, and then there are other sets that are not. Um, You know, I can't get into the details of. Who is doing what? Because I don't want to put anybody on Front Street. But it really just depends on the production and, and what people in charge of that particular show or film are down with. Um, when I first went back to WB, it was like, you know, walking into The Last of Us or something. Um, it felt like a quarantine <laughs> zone, right? Uh, now it doesn't feel like that at all. So we're definitely come quite a, quite a ways from where we were at you know, two years ago, um, almost two years ago. Um,
0: I will also say on February 1st, uh, they extended the um, return to work protocols for COVID-19 for union shows, uh, but with a couple of changes, modifications to it. Uh, Like the new modifications for the return to work agreement is we no longer have pre-employment testing for zones B and C, which yeah if nobody knows like zone a are the people basically that come into regular contact with the actors and then zone b and c are people who are like the support crew um like uh that aren't shooting crew um they also eliminated uh or basically made it where producers can elect to implement more stringent testing but they've uh made it they basically eliminated a lot of the testing requirements um yeah and they've even changed uh they changed like how you deal with a quote close contact uh case so like if you have had if you have a a if you have the vaccine and you have are in zone b and z and have come into close contact with a person then uh you don't necessarily have to be notified which is crazy
2: yeah Hmm. (laughs) interesting uh
0: so basically zone b and zone c all the like riggers and office you know anybody who doesn't we're we're just like left out in the cold to a certain degree with the new um modifications
3: and it feels like a lot of yeah (laughs) yeah i mean basically it feels like everyone wants to go back to the way things were before and they don't want to even think about it anymore. And they're tired of dealing with everything. And yes, obviously there's a cost to keeping everybody safe. I get all that. Um, and it seems like a lot of the office jobs in general. Well, see the... go ahead.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's been interesting even to see like as a production designer on a show for a long time, I was zone a because I did come into contact with the actors because a lot of times i would open set and be there for rehearsals and things and so i would did, do come into contact with actors and so for a long time i was considered zone a and then on my last two shows they've considered me zone b so that they could limit my testing and things like that and it's like it's like awesome. they're they're make yeah it because at the end of the day i am coming into contact with the actors but it's it's doing the bare minimum which you know is what we do because of money
3: yeah just all cost-cutting and it seems like in general the the idea of and you know this is from the studio point of view seems like the idea of, of everybody um, being at work five days a week has kind of gone out the window too so people are working from home more now and uh, I think that definitely has an effect on people potentially coming into contact but you know there's also the whole uh, the psychological health of someone being stuck at home doing work all the time too. So there's just a few things weigh there, but yeah, it just seems like everybody wants to go back to the way things were and not a problem anymore. And you're going you to pay for things anymore. Because Hey, COVID's dead. Yep. Um, but that's just the vibe yeah. that I've been getting.
0: Yeah. So the new guidelines are till April 1st. And so we'll see what happens. They'll probably, you know, even cut them down more on April 1st.
3: That would be my guess
2: Yeah
3: hmm. That would be my guess But anyway, well, Chuck, how are you?
2: <laughs> oh, no, I'm great No, That's this it. is this is just interesting to me I mean, I don't, I don't get to see Unless it's one of our own sets I don't really get to see uh, much of anything we well, everyone's we're always, always such sick a low... on our sets,
3: man We want the sickest people
2: about, <laughs> Yeah, we always have such a low head count Like, yeah. it's just a different It's just a different thing
0: um yeah it, we were really lucky on my short film that we did in november because me and melissa because we had such a small crew me and melissa were able to apply for you know the eight free covid tests thanks to the federal government and we just used those 16 tests to like test oh, our nice. whole crew oh, which cool. was like very nice so technically there was like no co- no cost for the tests to us which is very That's nice beautiful. as a short film yeah
2: yeah yeah good yeah, uh, I, I imagine, I mean, especially being squashed in that little hotel room, it was mm-hmm. it was definitely a, a thing on your mind.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it was re- kind of stressful. And then, of course, our sound mixer tested positive for COVID the night before, which I'm glad she did before our shoot. But
3: <laughs>
0: definitely made our, our sound interesting
3: for the weekend. How do you feel about the short right now? How's it doing?
0: <laughs> Interestingly enough, I feel so the music, the performances and the edit are I'm so proud and I feel wonderful about. The sound design has been a bit of a nightmare uh-huh. um cuz what the solution that everyone decided uh, that they felt okay with was to basically have the uh, the person who was going to be the boom operator be the mixer. We would have the mixer's equipment. The mixer felt confident in the boom operator's ability to do the job. We had the, we had paid for um, the hotel room. So like that would have been thousands of dollars that we would have been out. Uh, and we also had already picked up the equipment, you know, and had loaded in yeah. to the hotel when all this had happened. So the decision was made to move forward. And then, um, you know, I delivered all – I did a rough cut of the film and realized that there were a lot of problems. Even though we believed that we were jamming the the slate to the camera, we don't have – we didn't have time stamps. She also sure. ran – she basically never cut. So we have like the audio are like 40 to 60 minutes long, every single individual file. So I was having to go in so I couldn't just like uh, merge the audio. And so that so that was a thing. And then I gave uh, all of the the audio and the cut and everything to Michael Jones to work his magic. And he tried. I mean, he tried so hard. Um, but the more we messed with it the more we had problems because we we never boomed so we only had the two loves that our actors were and there are two only two actors in the whole film so we had they were they were mic but we didn't have a a boom to help us and they're moving around and getting up and arguing and you know like all these things where the her uh her clothes kept clipping you know her audio and stuff and the more michael tried to clean that up the worst the audio started to sound and so we did adr one time sorry i'm really going into detail about no all no, this, no but... please we gotta <laughs> it up. so then we, i did adr <laughs> <laughs> so then i did adr once um where i just did it myself i had my little yeti microphone that i record on uh and i set up birdie pads around and i recorded ADR with everything that me and Michael thought that we needed with my two actors. And then, <coughs> um, and then I sent that to Michael and again, he man, he tried so hard, but we just couldn't make like dropping that audio in because it was so different from the audio of the room that you felt it every single time. Like you would cut in between the audio from the room and the audio from ADR. You could it. The audio just felt different, and it was kind of like impossible to make the two things work together. So finally, on Thursday of this past week, Michael came to my house. The two actors came to my house. We recorded in my bedroom so that the feel like they're sitting on the bed. So you have like the room and the bed and people in it, and so like the whole atmosphere is more similar to uh, to the actual shoot days. And Michael, we recorded a whole bunch of audio. Michael did it with a boom and with loves, both. Wow. And uh, I think that we're good. He sent me a clip last night, a new version last night that he feels really good about. So fingers crossed we're actually probably going to have a finished film. It's crazy that it's just like, you know, just a handful of lines, but it's, you know, I'm I'm really, really proud of the short film, though. And the man, Hannah and Madison both just give incredible performances and make themselves very vulnerable. And we're asked to, you know, give a lot of themselves and they do it unabashedly. And I think it's really exciting.
3: Well, it sounds exciting. When are we going to see it?
0: Well, as soon as I feel good. About the audio. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they we're good.
0: Cause everything's done. The credits are done. The, the music's done. Sound effects are done. It's just dropping this audio in.
3: Audio will screw the pooch, man. It's the worst. I mean, it's everything. it really is um so yeah, I can't wait to see it. I'm happy that you're uh, at a point where you feel like it's almost finished, and hopefully the world yeah. will get to see it soon and and bask in the glory that is you
0: we've We've missed a couple of film festival deadlines because of this audio stuff um, and I've just chosen not to let that freak me out, but uh um frameline and because the the film itself is uh is queer and so the frameline and the bentonville film festival are my next two that I really wanted to apply to so fingers crossed that we get them
3: done in time to apply to those copy that yeah my fingers are crossed for you chuck are your fingers crossed
1: only 4% of universities in the US are R1 research institutions and temple university is one of them
2: Um, because we're trying to ride her coattails to the top. But a, <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely.
3: Without question. Um, like I, I'm even yeah. learning about this K-pop stuff. I gotta, I gotta get in with Molly.
0: Oh my gosh. Stop.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking that last night while we were watching the show. I bet Molly's thinking like, this. well, this isn't K-pop, but. <laughs>
0: well, you know, well, you know, there were a couple of times that I was thinking about how different the shows are, but you know, it's, it takes, like the show last night takes me back to my roots, you know. I'm like, like punk rock music and working for the Vans Warped Tour and going to live shows, like made me the person that I am. Like it's the what gave me the, the strength to like move out and go and and, believe in myself and make the mistakes and the, the things that like got me to where I am. And I, uh, I obviously have like gotten really into K-pop lately, but it's. I, I, it's, it's funny how, how different it is, but I would not say that one is better than the other. I just, the, the the reason that I enjoy the culture around K-pop so much, it's mostly because I appreciate like what they sing about and, and how uh, genuine and giving they are with their fans and, and just the way that, uh, that they talk about mental health and things like that. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something that has given me a lot of joy in the last couple of years. That's good.
3: That's
2: good. Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah, obviously it, insanely yeah, it, popular. It is. Uh, they talk about mental health, like the, in the song. Oh yeah. Or?
0: That's the whole thing. Like that they sing about all the time is um, huh. toxic masculinity. Like they they, uh, you know, deal with gender a lot um, and sexuality. And yeah, like, mental health is a big part of it. Making decisions, loving yourself, like stuff like that is, is thematically 90% of the lyrics for K-pop music. Wow. Yeah.
2: Well, that's cool. Um, it's, I mean, are they still having that trouble with, with the whole... Just the industry, how it's kind of like the crazy contracts, uh, yeah. and, and yeah, but
0: um, yes, but that is that's only gosh, we're gonna evidently this is going to be the K pop uh, because I
2: K pop like, special, that's right.
0: Help I us, us understand to go into all of this, Help uh, us understand. But, yes, there. Are- There are definitely certain um, really toxic, like when you get into the female groups and beauty standards and plastic surgery and uh, things like that, um, it, yes, it's really fucked up, but one, that isn't all uh, labels, you know? Um, And the beautiful thing is that partly thanks to how involved international fans have gotten with the K-pop industry and the fact that they hold it so accountable, it has given a lot of K-pop groups, the ability to, um, uh, to, uh, to like stand up for themselves. So we've seen a lot of groups over the last couple of years that have been able to break their contracts and stand up for themselves. Like this band Omega X very recently, um, they basically won legally to break their contracts and to retain the rights to their name and their back catalog of music. And like that wouldn't have happened five years ago. So the fact that it's happening now is really amazing. And and it genuinely is part of that is because the international fans have gotten so involved with everything that it gets held to a bit of a higher standard. Um, only in this, and I, I don't mean that, I, oh God, I would not imply in any way, shape, or form that the international fans would like know better or anything like that or better in any way than the Korean fans. I mean more like the way that the media covers things, um, sh- they're shining a light on things that in the past have been treated as just a part of it. Um, and there are just a lot of people that publicly are asking questions like, why are we putting up with this?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think it's real, I mean, just contracts and entertainment generally that's always relevant to, to film and, and anything. I mean, I even talked about it. That was like my Chuck for this, this month was um, talking about importance and contracts and you got to have somebody that you trust to look over them. Um, it's a, yeah. it's always a big deal. Cause I mean, you can get, you can get stuck in some shitty situations. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's, it's hard when, you know, people look at idol culture as like the only way to be successful. You know, if you're like in Korea and your family doesn't have a lot of money, it, you know, it, you can watch some of the interviews where people just want to take care of their parents and it's like yeah, heartbreaking because mm-hmm. they just don't have any options. And in the process of that, when um, trainees are going through the system, there is so much money that is invested in them by the labels, you know, between their room and their board and uh, (laughs) vocal coaches and choreographers. And, you know, like the, the, the amount of money that a label has invested in a single individual by the time they actually debut, it's just so much money that, you know, they're just so deep in the way that they, Oh, that label, um, like more so. But you know, we see a lot of that also in like American hip hop culture as well. You know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. So it just makes people feel like they have no options.
2: Um, yeah. Well, hopefully, it is changing. um yeah. For the better. Yeah. Um. Well. So speaking of writing your your coattails. Um, since you're, you're finishing up, uh, the one short film, uh, what's, are we, what's the plans for, for the next one? Um, are are you able to even think about that yet? Or is it still, is it still. Are you trying to ask
0: me if I read your most recent edits of the
3: script? He's he's putting you on blast from the world (laughs) right now. So you can answer the question. (laughs) Do it, Nixon.
2: Listen, Listen, I know you're super busy. Just call me frost. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um no, I mean yes. The definitely the next thing that I want to make is the short film with you and Dustin. Like that is there are no other projects that I'm currently working on other than that one. Um and yeah, so I I to to back up a little bit. I know you guys touched on it in a previous episode, but I I came to you guys and said that I would like to make a short film with you um just because we haven't done that in a long time. And again, like just like returning to my roots and, and how much I love making stuff with you guys. And, you know, we, we've all gotten to this point together. Um, I've just like broken off and been doing other things. So I wanted to make a, a film with you guys. And I was really obsessed with it being something that was like in the horror vein because I was trying to create um, a volume of work that i have directed that touches on different genres and styles to so that i could say hey i have the experience and the ability to to do these things so that hopefully i could get more directing work so i wanted to make a horror film that really played on tension and allowed us to um spend time in the moments and the scares um but that was really all that i told you that i wanted Um, And I, and that I just didn't want it to be too long. And I wanted to be able to make it. (laughs) I wanted to be possible to make, um, and then you sent me the original script for tension, which is something that you had previously written.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We had been working with a, an influencer, um, who was wanting to act. Um, it, unfortunately, I mean, we developed a lot of stuff over COVID while we were just sitting at home. (laughs) Like, well, what if we do this? Um, (laughs) But uh, none of those things – well, I guess one of those things came to pass eventually, but whatever. Um, but that's the way things go. Mm-hmm. Um, I but, mean, how
0: many projects have we <laughs> talked yeah, about no. doing that we've never gotten off of the ground?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, hopefully some later this year we'll, uh, we'll get to do that. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. So you sent me the script, and I really liked it, but the thing that I took away from it, um, or wanted to add to it, I guess, um, was exploring the um, this baggage that the main character, Lizzie, has from her past trauma and, like, really making that the forefront of... The short film, as opposed to just how shitty her boyfriend Jacob was. Um, <laughs> and yeah. so then I, I sent you, I, I met with you guys and gave you some notes and then you sent me a, uh, a new version of it um, that I think is, yeah, definitely much closer to what uh, what we want. My problem that I have is just in order to fund making a short film, I have to get a job. And mm. I still don't have a job. So I can't save up money to make a short film right now, which has made it this really weird, because I'm like really frustrated with that, which we can obviously like talk about that. Um, Let's talk about that. But has, okay. But but like my <laughs> lack of work is really starting to like, it's it's been taking a mental toll on me that's making it hard to, work on like to like be like okay this i want to jump into this editing this short film and thinking about it because right now it it feels like very far away because of my current frustrations with work Mm -hmm. but yeah so i wrapped on single drunk female on november 8th and i have not worked since and um which going into the holidays like it we, we wrapped on Seagull Drop Female just late enough in the year that there weren't any shows that were going to be, like, rolling up um, before the end of the year. So, but, so, like, shows start really starting, like, about two weeks into January. But I do normally still have, like, interviews and get scripts and calls and stuff during November and December. I just don't have shows starting and I was getting none like zero. And I even like reached out to my agent (laughs) my agent was like, yeah, there's nothing, which is crazy because normally he says things like, Oh, we have burners in the fire, like here and here and here. And you know, we'll see which one hits first. And he was just like, no, there's nothing. (laughs) Which is really, really scary. But, uh, so then I, uh, so then at the beginning of the year, We just weren't seeing shows starting up. I mean, there's some, like, don't get me wrong. I, as a production designer, operate in this very specific size show or, like, the shows that I personally get offered to production design, which are, like, you know, shows, if it's television, it's something that would be for, like, IFC or Freeform or Peacock, you know, things like that. Or if it's a movie, it's stuff that's like in the like five million to fourteen million dollar range. I don't really get offered shows that are like big, big shows, which um, is what my experience is. So and honestly it's the sweet spot of where I operate because I have the ability to to pull things off and be really scrappy in creative ways. And that's what's gotten me the uh, the good luck and the experience that I've had. But so all of that being said, uh last year during at the end of January Georgia had 55 shows going. And this year at the end of January we had 27 shows going, which is just almost half of, yeah, you know, just, is so half yeah. of the shows. Um, and then a lot of those shows are like Marvel shows. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola doing Megalopolis, you know, and, and whatnot here. Um, so there's a lot less shows, and I'm, which is fine. Um, I'm pr- always prepared to be unemployed for a little while, but it has been very interesting to see shows not starting up. And I don't think that there's any one particular thing that is the cause of it. I think that there was an, as a demand for content coming out of the pandemic that, so we were, so we had more shows than we've ever had before because of that more people joined the union, you know? So we had a lot of work for people. So we also have way more members of the union currently living in Atlanta than we did before as well
3: the competition um, level is high so
0: yeah so we so we have that we also have um that uh so like that's kind of caught up with itself the 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 need for demand like we've we've met that we have the fact that streaming is very up in the air right now as far as like uh acquisitions versus development uh people like CW and Cranetown Media and Netflix and Amazon and whatnot, they were putting all this money into original content and now they're taking less money and putting it more into acquisitions because they're now realizing that they were just spending too much money. And so everything is kind of flipped upside down as far as what people are greenlining and financing. So that's a thing uh, that's affecting it. And then also, the elephant in the room is if we do go into a writer strike in June, which is possible, um people want to have more scripts written before they start shooting. Uh, so that they if so that when their shows go into June, they don't have to stop if a writer strike happens. So because of that they're pushing shows back. So like stuff that would have started in February is now starting end of March and April so that they have more time to lock scripts. So, um, so all of that is to say that I've been very unemployed. And then on top of that, uh, because of the lack of work, the other side effect of that, which has been very interesting is that, so whenever I interview for a job as a production designer, it is an obnoxiously, involved thing like i don't just get on a zoom and talk to people i have to uh i have to create a keynote presentation about my interpretation of so i have to take a script i have to break it down i have to like make pull images and and screenshots and things from other films of kind of put together a deck of like this is how i'm interpreting this and this is what i would do so it's just like a lot of time is involved with uh with interviews Uh, Or like in the case, there was a television show that is in its third season that I interviewed for, so I'd never seen the show before, so I had to watch the previous two seasons of the show, So you know, before the interview. So it's just like a lot is required to have an interview, and so then I keep not getting these jobs, and the people that I'm finding out are getting the jobs are people who have... 17 years of network television experience in New York city or 30 years experience. It's like I'm right now, because of the lack of work, I'm competing against people that I normally wouldn't be competing with for these jobs because they're so small. Like one of the jobs, the rate was so bad that (laughs) I didn't think that I wanted it. And then I found out that the person that took the job instead of me has like 15 more years experience than I do. Like, I don't understand why he would be willing to work for that rates. So like, that's what I'm competing with right now. And eventually this will work itself out, but um, I really would like to go out to work.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and if you're, and if you're in this situation, uh, so an actual superstar um, is in this situation. There's so many people I'm sure that are, that are just like, reconsidering their lives maybe right now (laughs) because it's Well,
0: yeah um and sure i i i think that that they should to a certain degree because um (laughs) there's been so much work here that people a lot of people aren't prepared for not working you know like it's right back when i got into the film industry you know everyone prepped everyone and it was like a constant conversation that we were having that you needed to have Three months of bills, like you need to be prepared to be unemployed for three months because sometimes there isn't enough work for everybody. And so it was just something that we openly talked about, but because it's been the wild, wild west in Atlanta, um, you know, everyone just thinks of the film industry as just like pot of gold at the end of the rainbow,
2: no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Um, and they're just not prepared for uh, to be unemployed. So there's there are a lot of people who are un, who don't have work right now who are really screwed because they thought that because they were on a show out at Pinewood slash Trilith for the last year and a half working for Marvel Rates that that was always going to be what they were making. So they've bought trucks and houses and gotten themselves into a certain like financial lifestyle that um, they're not prepared. uh,
3: Yeah, and they're starting to pump their brakes on Marvel anyway, it seems, because they're not going to do TV shows as much anymore. Apparently their last film, which I haven't seen, um, did not do very well critically. I've heard some bad things about it. So I'm wondering if we're getting to a point on the superhero front that we've been oversaturated what happened with the westerns back in the 50s and 60s are now happening with superhero content. So i would like to know what your thoughts on that are.
0: well i mean superhero fatigue is very much a thing um the the problem is that up until now there's been such a built-in um lack of risk to creating that kind of stuff that you know the Marvel Parliament has been allowed to make decisions just based on their past success in a way that just like lit money on fire,
2: Um,
0: (laughs) that was like not productive to the larger industry (laughs) at all. Um, So, yeah, superhero fatigue's a thing. Um, I think that hopefully, I Kevin Feige is a very smart man. James Gunn, even though shit is weird at DC is a very smart man who and so it I hope that a part of the conversation and I think it is is how to tap into (coughs) different things outside of like the just like really shiny perfect Captain America superhero and how and what stories we're telling um but I think it should slow down like to a certain degree it needs to um slow down for sure
2: yeah, I like what James Gunn said uh, about DC about making sure the writers are um, and not not more prevalent, but just t- able to take the time and really really craft really good stories. Um, I I actually liked the new Ant Man fine enough. Oh, you saw it? You
0: yeah, saw, yeah. Wait, you look okay?
2: Yeah. Um, I it wasn't like it was a lot of people it, whenever the new movie comes out everybody's like it's either the worst thing ever or whatever i thought it was just kind of it was you know it was fun to go see and then that was about it well um, i don't
0: has anybody ever thought that the ant-man movies were really good like they've always been fun
3: yeah but have yeah, yeah. Have,
0: have we ever really thought of them as like good
3: i think, I I think yeah people I are I fascinated by paul so. rudd's <laughs> inability to age And for the most part... Well,
0: yes, which genuinely is
3: true. Yeah. And and I think Michael Pena, you know, he he brought a certain amount of charm and there was a lot of comedy in that. Um, But this is like dealing with, you know, the next big villain. And what we've been lacking since Thanos is that guy or that gal. Um, We just haven't really had the the big Mm -hmm. baddie. And now here we are, and I think a lot of people probably bring in their own perception of what that character should be um, and how things should be, you know, handled, because as we know, fandom can be really awesome. Uh, Last Jedi. Um, so, you know, uh, who knows? I haven't seen it yet. I don't know if it's good or not. I I love the Loki TV series, so I think this has potential. Um, we'll see.
2: yeah and uh, one of the major criticisms which i it's hard to deny is that you have you're introducing really the big super bad um in essentially a a kind of a goofy comedy series of movies which kind of takes the sting out of it a little bit yeah (laughs) um but uh i don't know we'll see you know i i know just talking with molly about how uh on her experience on Hawkeye, just like seeing the machine in operation that you know it's always a feeling of I always got the feeling that it was just like, well, they're eighteen steps ahead, but that's also kind of hard to adapt to anything that goes wrong if you're if you're eighteen steps ahead, well, you're like, well. We just got to keep rolling because we're we're so far deep into this shit.
0: <laughs> well, we've seen the we we've also seen the chinks in the armor a little bit with um with with exactly what you're saying and you know the way that they um had to adjust with Black Panther um right. not just right. with the death of Chadwick Boseman but also with the controversies with Letitia Wright's Twitter and things that she was like reposting and whether or not Letitia Wright was an actor that they wanted to go down the route, you know, put put the helm on after like, was she going to be like another Ezra Miller kind of situation where like the risk (laughs) is so high, you know, and like what else might happen. Um, And then, you know, Blade has had a lot of problems um, with the new Blade movie and we've seen them you know, postpone a couple of times now. So it's, as we're seeing chinks in the armor, uh, with, and then because they're so far ahead, like an inability to, um, to like adjust pivot quickly. Um, yeah. Problems.
2: Yeah. 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 The, I mean, I mean, I, I always kind of, you always kind of figured that, that the fatigue would hit, um, yeah, but but how do they? Uh, yeah, how do you? Like, I even saw the, um the next the the Marvels movie was it just called the Marvels or whatever? It's
0: called the Marvels.
2: Yeah. Yeah, uh, that got pushed back to to November, I think. From it was supposed to be this summer, and it got pushed back to November, which I think is probably a good idea. Just kind of just well, just knowing start-
0: like knowing the problems that a lot of the productions have had, even on just like delivering VFX, because it's built in. Yeah. It's yeah. like with like they they just assume um so like Marvel's way of making things is uh, they're like okay we have this script we're going to start making this movie they have ideas and then it's just built in that it's a given that they're going to spend 40 to 60 million dollars in reshoots after they cut together and like see what they need which comes from having access to like infinite amounts of money. Um, yeah. which is part of what I feel like they should be held accountable to, to a certain degree, because um, a lot of this stuff could get worked out if you just spend a little bit more time with the scripts and prep, but you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, so, so it's like just this accepted thing that they're going to do these reshoots, which just totally bones VFX deliveries because you, um, you know, they're like, okay, if we're, if we're done in October and we have to deliver in January, we have, you know, this few amount of months or whatever to deliver the, the VFX deliverables. And then somewhere in that they do reshoots and then reshoots every single time have been more than they originally told VFX that they were going to be. We're only going to do six days of reshoots. And then all of a sudden we've done 17 days of reshoots, which means oh. 17, which just means way more stuff that's on VFX's back, which um, uh, it's just like, it's just, it's, too much to be asking of people
2: yeah and then that kind of came to a head it seemed like with uh, she-hulk where everybody was, was like noticeably a, a, a huge difference between the what was finished with hulk and then she-hulk who was the, supposed to be the main character and it was like yeah she kind of looks is that's not quite not quite ready <laughs> <laughs> to be mm-hmm. out in the world. <laughs> Could have used for a little bit more cooking time with that. And that's mm-hmm. from just stretching everybody out too thin.
3: Well, just imagine mm-hmm. what it would look like on a big IMAX screen versus, you know, someone's cell phone on Disney right. plus. Like that's yeah, probably yeah, why yeah, they felt yeah. okay with releasing. It's like, ah, it's only not going to be seen on an iPad. Who cares?
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's interesting to see what uh, what's going to happen with the DC movies. Um, I was definitely more of a Marvel kid, um, but I think what DC might, especially with James Gunn and Peter Sarah, whatever his last name is, um, the other guy, uh, heading this up, is that hopefully they can get where a lot of these projects will feel like different. One of the main main problems with me with Marvel movies is I like watching them, but like they all they all really kind of feel the same. Uh, Mm -hmm. movies, the shows, everything. It's like it's McDonald's, bro. It's Happy Mills. It is Happy Mills. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You like, you know what you're going to get. I feel like if DC can be like, here's a here's an actual real horror, like with swamp thing, here's a real horror, uh, project. Mm -hmm. Like, here's a a rom com or something, you know.
0: Did you watch, um, the uh,
2: oh gosh, the one with Gael Garcia Bernal? Um, oh yeah, uh, werewolf by night Night or whatever. I, I thought that, great. yeah, I yeah. actually thought that was pretty good. That was, yeah,
0: cool. I loved
2: yeah. it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's not something like that's that. ever going
3: to get like a international release on the big screen, even though I think it would be compelling enough mm-hmm. to do so. Um, yeah. Same yeah, thing yeah, with yeah. Moon Knight. I don't know if
2: Moon Knight would ever. The,
0: the weird. Oh, man. Moon Knight was so good, too.
2: Yeah. I always loved Moon yeah. Knight as a kid. I
0: also liked Ms. <laughs> Marvel. Like, actually, I mean, the, yeah. I really enjoyed that. I yeah, it's. it's, I do have a lot of trust in James Gunn. Um, I don't have any trust in Warner Brothers. (laughs) Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: Dustin, thoughts on that? Uh, Here's what I think about that. I'm leaving this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, there's not much you listen. We we we've come to a point. We've come to a point with the uh, the studio at large in, in the corporate uh, world, we, we bounce back and forth with who's running the show, who's calling the shots. And right now, more than, you know, the time that I've been there, I'll be honest with you, uh, right now it seems like we're super focused because we've got one guy mm-hmm. looking at everything much in the same way Kevin Feige looks at everything over at Marvel. Um, whether or not it'll work, I don't know because, you know, we're, we're two years away from the first film coming out. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of having, you and know. And it's so
0: hard to. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no ahead.
3: that's all fine. I like the idea of being open enough to be, oh, yeah, there's this other, other world stuff going on. Like, you know, Todd Phillips has the Joker films and you, you've got Matt Reeves with his Batman trilogy. And I mean, mind you, yeah, OK, those are Batman products. But that's the IP that has worked for us time and time again. In today's society, does a Superman actually work? Um, I don't know. Me personally, I think that's a boring character. Clearly, it's a popular IP, and people will buy the merchandise, buy the comics. Probably the most recognizable superhero, maybe, in the world. Um, But ultimately, does something that worked so well in the 40s and 50s work in today's society? I don't know. Um, Wonder Woman, I thought, was fantastic. That's the only thing out of the DCEU that I thought actually worked. Uh, Snyder hiring Gal Gadot was the best thing he did um, but now I feel like we're in the spot where you have one person calling the shots which is really what you needed from the get-go having a by committee thing is just asking for disaster because everybody wants to put their fingerprints on something they got no business touching
0: right I mean there and there is still even at Marvel there is to a certain degree still like a committee like sure. they they have the marvel parliament you know with brad and trin and victoria and and lewis and Diaz esposito like they they still have like the parliament and then they they have their their marvel retreat development retreats that they have where all the entire development team you know spends a week uh hold up in a cabin and they go through all the stuff they do that every spring you know, like, all that stuff still exists, but at the end of the day, what uh, Kevin Feige says is ghosts. Yeah. And it doesn't matter, even even if he, his notes blow everything up and come way late in the game, the money is there to support just blowing everything up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well at this point you're you're trying to protect arguably Disney's number one asset. Um so mm-hmm. I can see why they would throw all the money in the world at it cuz let's face it Star Wars has been damaged for a while. Um and then you've got certain aspects of their own IPs that they have tried to regurgitate and make money off of. Their relentless behavior in making live action versions of their animated films uh creatively is, is bankrupt because not a one of them has been anywhere near close to, I'm just going to use a very uh silly term, the magic of the animated films, none of them. Um That's what they all lack. Mm-hmm. Um So that's, that's where we're at with them. They've got to protect Marvel because that's their number one money-making asset. Yeah. I, the,
0: Going back to, like, the Warner Brothers, it's very interesting because the – even is. I don't know how we kind of got to this point. I don't know if it was because of the kind of person who really loves Batman or if it's – and Superman and things like that. I don't know if it's because of the kind of person that just really bought bought into Zack Snyder and the Snyderverse, but they – at the end of the day, the DC universe fan base, even though obviously there is a lot of overlap with the Marvel and the general moviegoer, the the person that is like the most vocal and is like the biggest part of that um, that audience is very different from the person who's really into Marvel films. And that is also, I guess, like really interesting to me, and will be interesting to see how that plays into the way that they move forward with, um, with like what the landscape looks like and the kind of stuff they're developing and making.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, think ho- we're... I hope for the
2: best. Go, no, go for it, Dustin.
3: I hope for the best. I think that, uh, I think having. A 10-year plan is, is a great plan. For all we know, two years' time, Superman movie comes out, it gets lambasted, nobody watches it, absolute disaster. Well, that's going to get thrown out the window. So all I can hope for is that it's an absolute hit and you know, they can continue to make these movies. Um, but again, my fear at this point, I talked about it earlier, as this has now become uh, a diatribe on superhero film, um, I talked about it earlier, I think there is superhero <laughs> fatigue now. There's superhero fatigue, and because of that, I don't know if we can bank on people showing up for a decade plus of, of DC-related content that is built in the same way that Marvel has been built for almost two decades. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, uh, It may be too late to capture that lightning bolt, and it's, it's a big wait and see.
2: Well, I'm just wondering if if are we in, uh, well, so to speak, the end game uh, of just movie movies, theaters, movies is if we're just I mean, we're at the point where just it's all tent poles and nobody goes to see anything else. Uh, I mean, superhero movies, Top Gun, three, four, five, hasn't six, that whatever. already happened? Yeah, because
0: that's all, people have, are only going to see tent pole movies.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are um, only watching yeah, that's, TikToks that's, that's, on their uh, phone. That's what's happening. Yeah.
0: No, don't come after TikTok. Like, what,
3: <laughs> they <don't... laughs> they're only watching TikTok and YouTube. That's all they're doing. They're not watching uh, these films on the big screen. Get I mean, off my I'm not going to
0: lie. What's really crazy, Like I I now watch more stuff on my iPad than I do on the television, and I never thought that I would see the day. That i w Ugh, cause, man, but yeah i watch I watch almost everything now on my iPad. It's really embarrassing
3: <laughs> well, hey, I think you know I think you're just in tune with uh with modern uh pop culture society I think that's that's you i think you're way more in tune with uh with the pulse than myself or Chuck, that's for sure, um, so you watching stuff on your ipad is yeah. probably how. Most people are doing it these days. I'm just, I'm just fucking old school. I'll just be honest. If I can't watch your film yeah. on the big screen, I'm not going to waste my time.
0: So, what do you think about the AMC theater uh, seating pricing, dynamic pricing?
3: Uh, I think it's bullshit. But I also, I have to think about it from two different angles. Um, number one, it's for for a consumer. It's it's shit. Uh, now I'm definitely not coming from a business perspective. This must be desperation mode and you're just trying to fucking survive. So it, it's tough. I think basically what it says to me, it signals the
2: death of multiple. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumba It's
0: my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
3: Um, but that just, it feels like that's where we're going. Everything. It's funny. I think we're going to all come full circle. Eventually there's going to be one streaming service that has every bit of content ever. It's called the internet. And eventually we're going to get to a point (laughs) where we're back to one screen movie theaters. It's just an IMAX and all they show are Marvel films. That's what we're getting to.
2: (laughs) Um, so yeah, the, what, I forget what's the what's the pricing point where the closer you get is well, more so expensive or the further so, up it's more expensive?
0: Well it's so it's preferred sightline sectioning. Okay. So if you are in the preferred sightline section, which is basically the middle of the auditorium, then it's gonna be premium prices. Um, and then it's so there's like then there's like standard sideline, which are like the seats that are like the most common, and it will be the traditional cost, and then there's value sideline, which are like the the seats at the front of the auditorium or the um disabled ADA seats will be supposedly a lower price than what than the standard sideline seats, but I would imagine, and maybe I'm wrong. My assumption would be that the value ones will be the prices that we're used to seeing, and then it goes up from there. They're not going to make those seats cheaper than what we're currently paying for movie tickets.
2: Yeah, yeah. But I usually yeah, so I I sit towards the front. Um, I, it's I like just, to— Again, it just seems Maggie like desperation. I'm crazy because— uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I don't know. Like, I, I like to sit where it feels like the screen is taking up my entire vision. Like, I could watch a TV screen at home where I'm far away. I like to be up front where I can look up people's noses. Um, oh. So, mm-hmm. I, it's not – it's not. but I know a lot of people aren't like that. Um,
0: this yeah, also it, just it makes does speak of desperation. <laughs> this also just makes me think about um, – it's funny how uh, – You know, whenever things change and you have the people that are like, you know, that freak out about it, then you have the other naysayers that are like, don't, this isn't anything to freak out about. But it's like, I remember years ago, even like with a video game, if you want to buy a video game, you know, it was like $29, but then they would have like the special edition Halo or things like that that were like $60. And everyone, and so... Like, a lot of people were, like, you, you know, the problem with this is that they're market testing what you're willing to pay for a video game. Like, that's, like, at the end of the day why they're doing this. Not to actually make yeah. more money or, like, sell you more stuff. They're trying to see if you'll spend $60 on a video game. And a bunch of people freaked out about it. And then other people were, like, you're being ridiculous. Like, just get your special edition cool Metal ten." video game and then within about four years video game for $60 you know yep. brand new yeah and so, and so it's like the 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 long-term implications of something like this and how it's going to affect like it's hard to see it right now and I think that also worries me a
3: little bit
2: yeah we'll see if the other theaters start mimicking it Chuck um, I
3: think it's time for us to start doing know, dance videos on TikTok I think that's the only way we can save it
2: I think so. I think you're right. Um, you do the first one and I'll, I'll, uh, Absolutely. I'll follow up.
3: Great. I love it.
2: We'll yeah. Because yeah, out of the, the two of us, I think you would be uh, the better dancer. I just get the feeling. I,
3: I hope to God. <laughs> 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 we'll see.
2: Well, yeah. Well, so yeah, it's the end times and uh, movies are over. So that's good. <laughs> that's, um, all,
3: that's, that's what we came to today. It's like, oh, man. we're screwed. Time to quit.
2: That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Time to quit. Yeah.
3: I just oh. don't want
0: to. I want lots of content to be made. I want like infinite amounts of content to be made. I want things to be greenlit. I want people to take chances on weird stuff that's a little lower budget. Um, but I also don't want to spend $120 a month between the 15 different yeah. streaming yeah. things that I pay for.
3: Well, it's going to come to head on like, that too. Like I said, it's going to go back. I think it's going to be like uh, at a certain point, I think they're all going to merge and everything's going to be on one service. Um, when we get to that point, I don't know, but I think, I think there's a reason to, uh, to feel that way or be concerned about it because you're right. There's just too many choices. And that, That's what I've had an issue with from the jump. There's too many choices. It's like having, back in the day, when you had a satellite dish that had, you know, a thousand channels. There's just too many choices. You have to curate. Uh, in a lot of ways, having three channels back in the day might have been better than having, you know, satellite television. Because you're curating things, and you don't have to worry about uh, other entities creating new services that are complete bullshit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that we have to get to a point where less is more. That's my thought process. Less is more, and quality over quantity is is how it should be. Is that pie in the sky logic? Yes, it is. It'll never happen because we worship the almighty dollar. Um, but I digress. Chuck, your thoughts?
2: No, I I'm actually I'm actually thinking that it could lead to a backlash. You know, uh, I'm I'm just thinking of Mason who. Didn't never really cared about the MCU. He we would go see Guardians of the Galaxy movies because he loved Groot and Rocket. Uh, we saw Black Panther uh, movies. Um, we went see uh, Infinity War and Endgame because those are massive and the Guardians were in it and and Black Panther was in it, but in Spider Man, I guess, but like everything else, he was like, Who cares? I don't care about so the we I know people our age were all excited like oh this this comic book I read as a kid is is going to be on the big screen I have to go see you know whatever um but it's I don't with with those movies being the only things in theaters you know um filmmakers that are come up and and sure TikTok whatever the fuck it looks like in 10 years um they're gonna start and I think there's even been some of this now Just uh, a real reactionary to that kind of stuff like this is this is grandpa shit that I don't care about. I want to make some weird stuff, uh, you know, on what shit, whatever is after TikTok is because TikTok Hmm. will die at some point, there'll be something else. Like whatever, I'm well, gonna make some weird stuff on this that's gonna freak my grandparents out that love those stupid Marvel movies, and then we're gonna have a whole renaissance with that. That's my optimistic but, brain saying.
0: <laughs> but all of that being said, like I think that this was a great year for movies. Like the like there were a lot of really weird, heavy swing for the fences kind of movies that were made that were released in 2022, and that also. Mm-hmm. It was, like, really cool to see.
3: I will say um, this, Molly. I think that you have, uh, you've struck you struck a chord with me with that because you're right. I, I like to be a doomsayer, Chuck knows. Um, but you're right. Like, the film that's about to win Best Picture is an instant classic, and it is fucking insane. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is an amazing movie. Yep. Yeah. Um... And it's yeah. got zero yeah. to yeah. do with fucking superheroes. It's about a, it's about a mother and a daughter and their relationship. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, you're right there. Yeah. There is hope and I'm just not looking at it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was, I really loved, um, obviously I emailed you guys about it, but I loved bones and all. I loved triangle of sadness, 3000 years of longing. Nope uh barbarian like violent night like we're all going to the world's fair like there are a lot of shit that i really like this year
2: the menu i i saw that menu menu, yeah Yeah, there's a
3: lot of uh you know shitting on rich people movies that were really good um have you guys seen tar yet that movie is fucking amazing (laughs) no oh my god it's so good
0: i have not watched it there there have been a couple of times that I have been about to start it, and i I don't know why I keep deciding and i'm a, i'm I guess I like have been avoiding going too heavy
3: with the stuff I've been consuming got it got you but yeah I got you um yeah i was I was blown away by I still
0: it. haven't watched the fablemans either just'cause i can't I can't bring myself to start the fablemans either.
3: Babelman's is uh I think that's top five Spielberg films ever. Um it's easily his best movie since Lincoln. Wow that good. Yeah, it's I thought it was amazing. Um and he's he's taking shots And
0: then I watched Babylon.
3: Oh yeah, well <laughs> I watched that too. I watched I Babylon thoughts. and
0: instantly regretted it.
3: I have thoughts oh on that God. as well. Um yeah, that's uh that's the anti La La Land <laughs> movie he made. Um geez louise like that yeah that, no kidding that was um that was something chuck have you not seen babylon yet
2: uh no but i need to you of you all people should watch eric babylon. roberts is in it
3: you yeah, of all people eric should roberts watch
2: it. is in it and you did not tell me about this well, had, someone else had to tell me about it that.
3: would have been a nice surprise <laughs> it would have been a really nice surprise uh, eric roberts plays uh uh margot robbie's father in the film and there's a beautiful scene with a rattlesnake. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> okay. And that's it. Bevel- it's just a beautiful film. Beautiful.
2: <laughs> well, a maybe that's a missing the...
3: Mess. Yeah. yeah, it's... Well, uh,
2: maybe that's part of the reaction... It just seems like there's two different
3: films with that, and I'll, this is the last thing I'll say about Babylon, but there's there's two, different, there's two different movies going on here. There's everything, and I understand that everything that's happening that I have a problem with, he's doing it on purpose. I get it. That's fine. Um, right. But there's a before sound and an after sound. And if he's trying to tell all these stories, I got to tell you, brother, it would have been a much better situation for everyone involved if you spent six episodes of TV on each one of them, then trying to fit 10 pounds of shit in an eight pound bag. It is essentially mm-hmm. what happened. <laughs> yeah. in the movie.
2: Anyway, that's it. That's all. Yeah. I
0: got. Agreed.
2: Oh, I mean, that is a question, especially as a screenwriter, uh, trying to decide what could be, what should be a movie? What what could be a TV series? Because TV series is what gets watched right now. That's what gets yeah. binged. Um, I think Babylon, you know, a TV um, show,
3: could win Emmys. Like I'm not joking. Like I'm being serious. Um, but as a film, mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. It just is three hour movie. It doesn't as a work. film,
0: it just needed heavy editing. Like heavy yeah. editing. Like its point of view is very muddy. Like somebody, it's like the, to the tell editor's Damien, on drugs, no. you know?
3: <laughs> the editor is on <laughs> drugs. That's the problem. Because everything about it is just, like you said, it's hedonistic. It's fucking nuts. It's crazy. It's drug fueled. Um, it's intoxicated, which, again, I get it. That's, the, that's what you're trying to do. Fine. That's what you want to do. Great. Right. But there are certain points in that film where they're hitting on subjects that are kind of important. And you might want to give that some time to really yeah dive into it and give it time to breathe and have an effect rather than kind of gloss over it because we're on drugs you know what I mean
2: (laughs) well maybe that's uh maybe that was like you said that was the goal like have everybody be on drugs including the editor and like this is what this is what it felt like in the 1920s all right yeah yeah. have fun (laughs) exactly
0: it had it had something really poignant to say, which is why it's just really unfortunate that it wasn't able to give that any
3: breathing room whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's there's a there's a handful of things that were actually pretty serious topics. But they're like, but it's a fun movie, so we're just gonna keep doing drugs. Um, okay. That's fine, Damien. You you do you <laughs>
0: it's filmmaking masturbation
3: uh there yeah i would say by the end of it you're you're absolutely correct and you know it is what it is but anyway so we agree now it's your turn to watch it chuck because i think this is a film that is right up your alley and it's something that you would show everybody back in the day when we would go to your apartment and be like hey watch this grindhouse movie even though this is not a grindhouse film um because it is absolutely insane
2: Well, I definitely need to have one of those weekends again. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, sounds like. But isn't that what, what we're all doing? Is just masturbating when we're making movies? <laughs> just, I mean,
3: well, if you're saying there's ego into it's like, well, your how talented I am. Ugh. Well, there, there is. There's you're showing you're showcasing your ego for sure. Like, there's no way yeah, yeah. around that. Um, but when you're when you're doing something for a party of one. Rather than the masses, <laughs> that's when it becomes masturbatory. Um, and I think this is like Damien was locked in his room, like this is great, and he doesn't give a fuck what anyone else thinks, which is fine. I think that there's a certain there's there's a certain level of, you know, I'm an artist. You take it and take it how you want to take it. That's the beginning and the end of it, and I get that. Um, but at the same point in time, it's like, dude, you're a great filmmaker. We have to hold you to higher standards because you're actually really good at this. So when you give us something like this, like dude, it's right fucking there. You just have to you have to take a different angle, and you know he he didn't want to do that, which is fine. You know it's his right. And now now we've gone from an MCU uh, to a Babylon thirty minute diatribe, but uh, here we are.
2: Well, the solution is just to get him on the show for next you time talk to him. You and, got to and listen, ask him all You were questions. three
3: for three yeah, yeah. You were three for three You know, I thought you were the second coming and then you gave me this That's That would be that would be the conversation <laughs> I'm
0: sure that he would love to come, come on and have that conversation
3: Oh, I'm sure he yeah. would not talk to us I'll just hit him up At all, ever <laughs> yeah, We pretty much burned his bridge, I think talking about Babylon today, anyway
2: Oh, well. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'll just delete all this. Just delete it. Don't even put uh, this on. No, I'll just delete the whole thing. Good um, idea. The whole I mean, I don't, I don't even know and, what and we're talking ways, about today. <laughs> me neither.
3: I mean, no, we're just uh, talking.
2: Well, cool. It's a roundtable. Yeah. <laughs> just talking. The podcast. So this is just chatting um, with Chuck. Yep, chatting with Chuck. Um... But yeah, that's all. I guess that's all I got for today. Uh, Molly, where do we find your information and where people can find your new film? Uh, where can we see it in the future? Et cetera.
0: Uh, so we definitely have an Instagram and a Facebook page for the. Uh, for the film, but if you go to my website, Molly uh, you can always find my work there, including a trailer for come correct is the name of the short film and hopefully it will be making the film festival circuit soon. uh but and i appreciate anyone that is willing to check out the work
2: nice, it's definitely dustin. a
0: steamy queer little comedy of a film
2: yeah yeah speaking of masturbation um but yeah uh <laughs> dustin you want to throw anything out there, or just you know, uh, you,
3: listen? If you if you really need to find me, you know where to find me. Just Google me; I'm everywhere. Uh, Find me on LinkedIn. That's all I got. <laughs> oh my god!
2: <laughs> <laughs> that number one social media site, LinkedIn. That everybody LinkedIn. Uses. Right. Listen, if you want to talk to me, it's going to cost
3: you some money. So LinkedIn's the way <laughs> to go.
2: Nice. Well, I enjoyed it, everybody. Uh, thanks for coming on. The show, Molly, a special guest. It's always great to see you in person last night. Thanks again for coming out Uh enjoying Rock you know, and Roll. I got to
0: see Michael last week and I, doing ADR. I got to see you last night. Got to talk to Dustin today. This has been kind of crazy.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nutty week. And we're both sick. All the hits. How about that?
2: How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, we'll get well soon and, uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time.
3: Bye.
0: Thanks for
1: listening to Atlanta film chat. Subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The show is produced by tranquil aggression productions
0: and zombie cat productions. Your host is Chuck Thomas. Editing is by Joshua Golkey. The soundtrack is by Michael Breezy Keys jones I am your humble announcer, Rob Scheimer.
1: Remember, you are your own biggest fan. So go out, make your projects, and don't let anyone stop you. <music>